This week, we discuss reproductive rights, specifically covering Roe v. Wade, stricter state regulations on abortion, contraceptives, sex education, the role of political parties in the pro-choice versus pro-life movements, and pro-life feminism. With over 40 people in attendance this week, we had to break up into two breakout rooms. Here's the discussion of one of the rooms. So, do you support Roe v. Wade and why? Also, in the Constitution. Everyone has the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Life being the key term here. Because um, there really isn't, there's nowhere in the Constitution that um, grants a right to an abortion. Well, that's why the Constitution is meant to um, be interpreted over time. That's why it was vague. The Constitution was vague in a purpose that it can be changed over time and interpreted because times change. There's a right in the Constitution, a right to privacy. It's in the Constitution. It's blatantly in there. That's why Roe v. Wade passed. It's literally in the Constitution. Women have the right to privacy, so it can't be infringed on. It's literally a right you have. I'm, I don't think there should be any government interference because it's the woman's right to choose what she wants to do with her body. No government person or someone in government has a right to tell a woman what they can or cannot do with their body because that is personal and it's their part. I think something that we can agree that doesn't go out of style or can't be changed is that you can't intentionally kill someone no matter what. But we're not, we're not, we're not, we're not, we're not saying it, but we're not saying it's killing because we haven't defined if it's a life or not. We can't, we're not okay, talking about Okay, so could you define scientific. what removing someone is from their life and their future? How would you, um, but I'm, I'm, we're not, we're not talking about if it's a life or not. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the ethical, the religious. I think it's kind of hard to go forward when that's kind of like the key of the debate, don't you think? Saying what, what's defined as life. That's a very confusing topic to talk about. What is defined as life? Because many people have different viewpoints. I think what Josie and I were thinking in this is that you guys, like both sides are not going to agree on when life starts. So you can stick to what you think, what your side thinks of when life starts, but don't try to like throw that view on the other side who might think it starts at a different time. Is it okay? Is it justified to have an abortion at nine months? I say, um, the first and second trimester, but the third on certain conditions, more development, the baby is more developed. more development. Like, more development. that's just with time. More developed. Anyone that's more develop- development. Well, the baby is most developed towards the third trimester. That's when it gets a little confusing on whether it's a life or not. That's, that's, the, that's the whole point I'm trying to talk about. It's kind of hard to not talk, talk about whether it's a life or not because if it's um, not a life, then there's no reason to um, stop abortion. But if it's life, then there's no reason to defend abortion. But most of, the time when you, most of the time when you try to define life, it's mostly religious-based. And that has a whole different discussion because when it's religious based, that sort of goes against um what you call the um establishment clause, the establishment of a na- of a national religion that goes against the constitution. Because let's say you have a, a different belief than me, you can't that that can't be overruling of someone else's belief. If you believe something, I respect your belief, I respect your opinion. That's why we live in a country where we have free speech. But if you believe something, something you shouldn't infringe upon my rights. So if you are pro-life, what do you think should be done with the unwanted children? Um, I actually been looking into this a lot about adoption. I definitely think we need to lower the price because adoption is very pricey. But there are over 200 families ready to adopt at any time, whether that be infertile couples, gay couples, whatever the case may be, that are ready to take in your baby if you don't want it. Just going off of that, according to CDC, there are 36 parents for every um, child born out there. I have a question kind of going off of this. Um, So recently, Trump was trying to make it illegal for um, gay parents to adopt. What are your thoughts on this? That only applied to private Christian foster homes. Like, yeah, 
it didn't apply to all to all doctor agencies, just Christian ones. I kind of defend that because okay, they should be able to give who they see, see fit as to be parents. The same the same way as they wouldn't want to give to a sing, a single parent, they would prefer to give um to other heterosexual marriage family because that's what they feel best. Well, I think it's kind of disgusting if they wouldn't want to give it to a, a gay marriage couple. What's wrong with being gay? It's, you have a right to marry who you love. Love it. Love shouldn't matter if you have are right are able to adopt. Love is love. Love isn't defined. I yeah, I personally strongly disagree with what Trump said. I'm actually LGBT myself, and I definitely think if we want these babies to go to families, we need to have it open for gay couples to adopt as well. Recently, some states such as like Alabama and Louisiana have been um, putting limitations on abortions. For example, the timing, you can get one. Um, do you think this undermines Roe v. Wade? And if you don't think so, why is this a good or bad thing? I think we've kind of already seen this um, in our country where we've gone past Roe v. Wade, the limitation. So for example, in New York, we have the Reproductive Health Bill which allows you to kill, sorry, abort a baby up to nine months. And um, this is obviously way too far. You can literally have an abortion on your due date. Um, And so by taking this extreme, it's almost like states like Tennessee, Georgia, Alabama, and Ohio are kind of fighting back with the extreme. Um, So recently you brought up Roe v. Wade in the context of the Supreme Court. And so Norma McCovey, who was the anonymous plaintiff in Roe v. Wade, um, she was the one who got uh, abortions to be legal. But after that, she started kind of fighting for the anti-abortion movement um, in the later years of her life. But she came out and stated, and it's in her new documentary, that she was paid to do so and that this was all an act. So what are your thoughts on this? Well, first of all, I just wanted to say that um, some, of her, some of her friends, including um, Father Prink Pavlin, said that um, it was a lie and that she was pro-life till death. And it, if she really was pro-choice and it was all an act, then that really means nothing as we're not pro-life because she became pro-life. We're pro-life because we believe that abortion kills I'm actually friends with Father Prabhon. I'm also friends with Jason Jones, who is a pro-life director for pro-life films. And um, I just want everyone to consider kind of the facts while laid out here, um, that this documentary came out right after her death. That's already interesting enough. So she's not even here to defend whether or not, you know, where she stood on each side. I think when you think of her story as a whole, This is someone that was torn between two movements that were trying to use her. And so that doesn't define the movement as a whole. So I think that's really important. And then also just to kind of point out the fact that um, there are text messages between uh, McCorby and Father Pravone. And she literally said in the text, you can look it up, that um, she's doing this documentary and she doesn't know what she's feeling about the whole thing. Going to a political standpoint, I think that if the woman that Roe versus Wade was supposed to represent in theory lied, then Roe versus Wade should no longer apply to any argument taken as a false statement. Well, it doesn't matter. It's still a court case. It doesn't matter if the person was lying. It's still, they're still interpreting the constitution based on if abortion is in fact constitutional. It doesn't matter if she was lying. It's just the court case interpreting the constitution. But if she lied, that would be 
but still they're, they're, they're interpreting the constitution based on if abortion is okay. I mean, that's what they did. It would still be perjury and therefore illegal. And I don't think that the rules should apply. They also told her to bluntly lie that she was raped and she was not raped. Okay, so you did bring up the instances of rape. So do you think that abortion should be used in instances of rape or for medical reasons? And does, um, if that is the case, do you think that it can happen in a later trimester? Um, I feel that rape is a very traumatic situation. I have uh, sympathy for every woman who has to deal with it. At the same time, the value of the fetus should not depend on how it was conceived. I feel like women will be able to seek therapy afterwards. They should do whatever they need to do. But I don't think that the fetus should be punished for how the mother was treated. Obviously, it's not the mother's fault, whatever happened to her. But two wrongs don't make a wrong. I, I totally disagree. I feel like if someone's um, raped, they should definitely be able to have an abortion. Imagine if you were raped and you have to live the rest of your life having a child that was forced upon you. Imagine that. Well, you, you should don't have, have to the choice. The you should have the choice. You shouldn't give, you should be able to give them. I'm not saying that people who are pro-choice are pro-abortion. I'm simply pro-choice. You have the right to choose. You should have the right to think if it's okay to do or not okay to do. But you don't have to keep the child. Also, abortions happen 0.5% um, that are out of rape. And so the remaining 99% of women will tell you that that was light out at the end of the tunnel. It's also important that women who are raped um, and who actually go through with the abortion are four times more likely to commit suicide. So I personally am against, um, it, you know, getting an abortion is not going to unrape a woman, okay? That rape is an awful thing. She needs to be seeking help, not having people pressure her to tell her that she's not strong enough to do this. Her baby determines you know, based on the circumstance of that it was born at no fault of their own, should deserve to die because of the crimes of her father. So being raped myself, this is where it comes in for me being pro-choice. Um, because before, I mean, I've been to Catholic school my whole life and pro-life has been shoved down my throat continuously. So honestly, when you get raped, you don't want that baby. All that's in your head is remembering your rape. And even I have friends that were raped and they have their kids. They can't look at that child the same. They can't. It's just so hard. Um, and honestly, if a woman wants to not have those memories, not think of that, look at their child differently, um, then they should have the option to have an abortion. Um, and when you have that option. I think it gives women more power to understand themselves and to be like, hey, I don't have to carry this fetus that was forced upon me. Um, I just want to say that 80% of women who were raped actually kept their children. Okay, but I think, I think in this discussion, we should consider like personal experience over statistic um, because every individual case is different and every person is going to relate to that trauma differently. Some may want to keep the baby as a position of power. Some, it might remind them of a really traumatic incident and they want it, um, uh, they don't want the baby and they don't even want to go through with the whole pregnancy for adoption. So I think in this, we have to not get caught up in most people want this or most people want that. You can see like real people have different opinions of it. Um, I, was, I was actually born out of an unplanned pregnancy um, and you know, when I look back at that, like, 
that's a majority of the reason why I am pro-life is my, my own personal story. Um, and so when I look back at it though, um, my mom was pressured a lot. She, she was in college, you know, she got pregnant by accident. She didn't know, you know, that wasn't part of the plan at all. Um, and she was pressured around her by her boyfriend, you know, parents, friends, all that. But at the end of the day, she was like, this is my child and I need to protect my child. And when my mom told me, told me a story of her going in the abortion clinic and then, you know, telling her that she had other option, options, she ran out of there so fast. And for me, looking at people who aren't so lucky to be born, that's why I'm here today. That's why I fight. That's why I fight for the voiceless. That's why I speak for them. And I don't think it's fair to use the whole, my, my body, my choice. You know, it was, I was basically just born based off luck. I'm so sorry that happened to you. That is awful thing. I've been sexually assaulted, so I'm with you. Not the same, but I'm with you. I totally understand that. Um, for me, it's just if you look at two sonograms and you see the pictures right next to each other, you wouldn't be able to tell me which one was conceived out of rape. And my point is that it's still a person. It's still a life. And it's no matter the circumstance that it was you know, conceived in, it's not their fault. And so they shouldn't be the ones that should be punished. People should still have a choice on whether to have an abortion or not. You can't just eliminate having an abortion. If you're given that choice, you have to think about it in both contexts saying, okay, can I possibly raise this child? Can I have the mentality to take it through this nine months? Um, I mean, if you can't, then there are those options. Yeah. But I don't feel that it's necessary or it should that you op, abortion or like say plan B should not be an option um, because there's hundreds and thousands of people all over the world that are raped. And I know they, it's just a really traumatic thing. Um, and for me, I couldn't go, I couldn't handle having that. And I know other people can't either, but there's some people in this situation that can handle it and don't need to take those other options. And I'd like to mention that um, pregnancy in and of itself is extremely like a tremendous like period of time that one has to will itself to go through. I mean, it's it's also the hospital bill that comes when you you know have your child, like the countless um, uh, appointments made to make sure that you're you know going through the appropriate measures to keep that child safe. I mean, whether or not you want to argue, you know what life is, I, I just want to point out that some people don't have those options because some people don't have the money. Well, I do agree that the medical bills is a huge part in abortion. I'm personally for universal health care, but you said that nine months is a long time, which I understand, but you have to realize carrying it for nine months, you're giving birth to something that's going to have its entire lifespan, and nine months is nothing in comparison to 50, 60, 70 years of a life that you're giving. Do you believe that contraceptives should be free? Do you think this will prevent unwanted pregnancies and keep everyone safe? Or do you think it's, if a person is choosing to not be abstinent, they should take on that responsibility themselves? Absolutely. I feel like contraceptives should definitely be free. I think that will prevent a lot of unwanted pregnancies and will definitely move forward with less abortions happening. I, as a pro-lifer, don't believe that contraceptives is the answer as um, it will just increase um, sex, which will which eventually um, will cause contraceptives to fail, creating unplanned pregnancies. Even if sex is happening, it's still a higher percentage that unplanned pregnancies wouldn't happen. 
ideally that could work, but because people don't do contraceptives right, it won't work. Exactly. That's why we also need to increase the education about contraceptives because if we're going to make them universally free to everyone, we also have to educate. And, you know, the health class that we take in high school is just not cutting it. Um, I 100% agree with you. I definitely think better sex ed in high school will lead to less abortions as well. I'm very for educating in sex, like free uh, contraceptives. I definitely think that that is a great first step. Okay, so if we look at um, contraceptive view by the Catholic Church, it says it's immoral and sinful. Everyone using contraceptives, taking away the right to life, or the creation of life because we're all here to procreate um wouldn't that make us all sinful i feel like religion in my personal opinion shouldn't play into abortion i feel like it's definitely more of a morality thing that this is well i guess some of you don't agree but this is a living being in my personal view and a lot of people's view i don't think that religion should play a part into this but that's just how i see it I completely agree that religion should not be taken into an account when we're talking about viability or the status of life. Um, I personally think that, you know, within the third trimester, that could cause complications with the person that is undergoing the abortion themselves. So it's just not a healthy scenario for either individual. Um, I think there should be limitations to the third trimester for the first and second trimester. The gills are still developing, like the... It's, it's a fetus. It's an embryo. It's not a baby. It's not a person. It's a fetus. It's a combination of cells, and it doesn't even have fully developed organs. It cannot live outside of the human body. So is, is it life? I, I don't. That, that's where I disagree. I mean, a fetus is just a term like toddler and adult and teenager. It's just with self-growth, you know, just like any of us. So it's not really like, like, I just feel like that's a term that dehumanizes what you said earlier, because like, I think it's really important for whether you're pro-life or pro-choice that, you know, we have common ground. And I think a common ground that we all have is sex education. I think that that's vital. And um, I think it's really important to, like, know the consequences of sex before you go into them because some of them truly don't. My mom didn't. So I think it's really important to just say, like, hey, by having sex, like, you might have a kid and know that you're responsible for that. And, like, I think it's important that, you know, we just educate people on that more as opposed to just, like, just teaching. Uh, I just want to say, personally, even as like a, a pro-life person, I think that debating religion in abortion takes away from our argument because there are people who are agnostic or atheist or something, and it just devalues our argument. We should rather be debating the morality of abortion than religion because not everyone follows the same religion. I appreciate that sentiment because we separated state from church long, long time ago, and. You know, America has never announced one religion as its main, um, or main or main religion or claimed any religion. So therefore, there are a multi multitude of religions, a melting pot of religions, and um, to take one note from one religion and try to play it against another, it just, it just doesn't make any sense. Um, okay, so do you think that the government should be able to fund Planned Parenthood? Because um, in addition to uh, servicing abortions. Planned Parenthood does do a lot of things like STD testing and um, contraceptives, gives contraceptives and information. So um, should those be separated? Should the government be able to fund it at all or not at all? I think their funding should be separated. Say Planned Parenthood um, 
has the ability to perform abortions, but the government is not funding that ability. Um, or say that, I don't know if where else, any um, clinic, they should ha- be funded by the government to support mothers or everything like that. But I feel like the clinic should provide its own funding for, say, say um, I was just going to say that um, I think that it infringes on our rights personally. Um, as someone who's against abortion, my tax dollars, I do not want my tax dollars going to Planned Parenthood, who, by the way, uh, performs 36% of abortions and only 3% of cancer screenings and 7% of um, STDs. And um, I think we all can agree that whether you guys agree with me on the statistics, you can look that up. But regardless, um, Planned Parenthood is an abortion clinic. Like, we know this. It's world-renowned for abortions. That's why we're talking about it right now. Um, And I think it totally uh, kind of goes against what pro-choicers want, because if you're pro-choice, then you're for women choosing life, too. So instead of our tax dollars going to abortions, why wouldn't they be going to helping the foster care system or helping clinics that are trying to um, help the women choose life? Don't we want her to feel more empowered by choosing life? So um, I think it infringes on our rights and that it's totally, you know, like I don't want my hard earned money going to a corporation that I don't agree with their policy whatsoever. I do recognize the other purposes of Planned Parenthood, like uh, testosterone and estrogen for transgender individuals or cancer screening and all other stuff. I believe Planned Parenthood should stay open for those reasons, but I don't think that the government should be funding. Like I don't want my tax money going for something that I personally don't support that I find to be morally wrong. There are many things Argues could uh, individuals could argue that they don't want their tax dollars going towards. I mean, frankly, I, I don't particularly want all of my tax dollars going towards the police departments. But I can't say anything about that because we live in America. We live in uh, an institutionalized. And I understand, I understand your sentiment, but I I do think that we don't have much of a say when it comes to what our tax dollars are going towards. I do also think that we should put more tax dollars towards foster care because it's a system as it is. I mean, it's it's a system that has an idea of something great, but we all know the reality is, you know, a lot of kids come out of foster system hating it. I think that, and this is to your argument that a lot of kids come out of foster care hating it. Yeah, they do, but that also has to do with foster care not being the greatest option. We could certainly improve that. Exactly, like what I was saying, we should fund it more. I'm entirely for foster care reform, and I think that is very important because, yeah, right now foster care is not the best option. There is abuse in foster care, stuff like that, but if we put that money into foster care, it will help a lot of women because they'll have a choice other than abortion if they don't want to keep their child. really tired of seeing the stigma of the adoption system laying all completely on the pro-lifers because as pro-choicers, like, if you guys aren't pro-abortion, then you guys are for women choosing life. So, like, it can't just be a pro-life issue or else we're not going to get anywhere. It needs to be pro-lifers and pro-choicers that can agree to establish a better adoption system. Foster care is where we can find the middle ground, and I absolutely agree with that. There are many things that we can find the middle ground on. Earlier this, um, like, when coronavirus started, not bringing that up, but Nancy Pelosi attempted to sneak money to support abortion into the bill for corona that to me is not right because they're making people pay to 
support abortion, even if their views differ. Um, I don't know anyone else's opinion on I mean, I'm not a fan of Nancy Pelosi. That's why Donald Trump turned that down <laughs> quickly. So, um, yeah, because I'm glad we can agree with that, that that's not right. And it's not like we're forcing you guys to pay, you know, um, pro-life clinics. Well, you're sort of, with the whole pro-life, you're sort of forcing people not to have, not to be able to have an abortion. But like, why would, why is it okay, why is it okay for, say, big-named um, politicians to take money that we're paying to support a different cause and give it to people that support, um, say, okay, so say they're forcing all pro-lifers to pay for this um, abortion funding. Pro-choices are okay with that, but why should pro-lifers have to do that for something they don't believe? I actually agree. I'm also not a fan of Nancy Pelosi, despite I consider myself far left. I separate abortion from my political views, but I think that what she did was disgusting, and it's not right to have us pay for something that we disagree with, we find morally wrong. Okay, so you brought up, like, political parties. So do you think... um so you kind of like associate the Democratic Party with pro-choice and the Republican Party with pro-life. Uh, do you think that those things should kind of be together? They should be separate. I, I think they should be entirely separate because I form my opinion on abortion from a very moral standpoint. And I've been separated from the left often because of my view on abortion. I'm like, you're not really leftist. You're not really a Democrat. When I feel like my opinion, my belief on abortion has absolutely nothing to do with politics at all. It forms from my moral viewpoint. I think it's morally wrong, and I don't think it should be associated with politics for that reason. Um, I agree um, entirely. I think that the party should include more inclusive um, wordage so that they are shunning uh, individuals that differ on one policy or another. I am um, somewhat of a in between a moderate and a Democrat, I wouldn't say I'm entirely to either side, but I would like to say that, you know, just because one policy difference um, or you find different from your majority party, that shouldn't be something that turns you away from that party. Yeah, I love that. And I'm really glad that you asked this question because I think this is one of the other key problems of this, you know, this issue is separating politics from this issue because to me and i would hope that we all kind of think this way but maybe we differ i don't look at abortion as a religious issue i don't look at it as abortion as a political issue it is a life issue nothing else and so i think we're only going to get somewhere when we go by ideology like i'm registered as an independent in between um but i probably fall a little more conservative because those are i'm close to the ideas uh, but party wise it's gotten so nasty so extreme on both sides and I totally, you know, sympathize with people who are like kind of in between. And I really love when I hear Democrats that are pro-life because I know that that's really difficult. You're going, you're, you're a minority in your party because, you know, a lot of people are going to be like, you can't call yourself a Democrat if you're pro-life. And I think we totally need to get rid of that stigma. It's an awful and really just like negative vibe that I think that like these weren't political issues before. It was it was only political when we made it political, when presidents made it political. And um, you know, obviously being pro-life and practicing pro-life, I'm gonna vote the pro-life vote, and that's Trump. He won my vote over when he physically was there at the March for Life. We have never had a president ever be physically there at the March for Life. And so by that, he won my vote. Does that mean I agree with everything in the Republican Party and Trump? Heck no. 
but because he's doing a lot for the pro-life movement, yeah, he has my... To, to go off of that, yeah, uh, especially with presidential candidates, like, I feel like your vote for a presidential candidate goes directly off of your views. It doesn't have to be you agree with the person. Personally, I supported Bernie Sanders until he dropped because I agreed with everything he said except for abortion. I did not like his stance on abortion, obviously, but the majority of my views lined up with his that didn't mean... I mean, I did like him as a person, but that didn't necessarily mean I had to support him as a person. Your belief on abortion can go directly into what candidate you support, and I don't think... I don't think you should be judged for that either. Um, I just want um, us to take into consideration that, you know, one policy versus many. I mean, if you're simply voting for Trump just because of the abortion thing, I think you should weigh the other policies that he's pushing because I don't necessarily agree with those either. So I'm a political science student, and there's an interesting phenomenon that's been happening the last few years or last few decades in the United States, and that where voters are no longer voting for a, uh, an ideology. They're not voting for an ideology anymore. They're voting for single issues. So meaning that people on the left are voting, especially in California, tending to vote for things like welfare, immigration, and people on the right are voting for things mainly regarding like taxes uh, or even like pro-life. People immediately divide themselves into these two categories of whether or not if a candidate is pro-life or pro-choice, that is all that they will vote for this candidate based off of, not based off any other policy or whether they're actually convincing in their arguments. I wanted to talk about like the stigma of associating feminism with pro-choice. So what is your response? Do you think there can be um, pro-life feminists? Um, do you think that it's wrong that the um, feminist movement is so kind of stuck in this view of pro-choice or do you think that in order to be a feminist you have to be pro-choice? I personally identify as a pro-life feminist. I've helped a lot in the Me Too movement. I've done a lot of things for feminism. I don't feel like you have to be pro-choice to identify as a feminist, especially since there are studies showing that abortion leads to a decline in mental health, uh, women's mental health. But I feel like I shouldn't be like taken away from my feminism because I'm pro-life. I definitely identify myself as a feminist. Um, for me personally, um, I think this was the part, you know, where I came like upfront pro-life, like I have a pro-life blog. I'm very upfront about it on my Instagram, my personal Instagram. And I think for me, like this is one of the parts where I was like self-sacrifice. I know this is going to be the sacrifice to me coming out as pro-life. Women are going to be angry with me and they're going to say I'm you know, not a feminist. And I think that's a really toxic culture to put yourself into. And um, I think it's important before you take a side of what's popular to really understand the other side. And um, for me, like, I am a feminist, like I am a pro-life feminist. And I don't see it any way, uh, any other way as then I am trying to empower women to choose life. I want to offer resources. I want to be there for women when they do want to choose life. I think it's dehumanizing, dehumanizing, sorry, and not empowering at all to simply tell women, here's your way out, you know? There's nothing more pro-women than having more women be born. Do you think that your views on the death penalty should inform your views about abortion, or do you think they should be separate issues? I personally think that these should be separate issues as as a pro-life pro myself, I personally support that penalty, although I know that there's some pro-lifers who don't believe in it. As I, the reason why I believe that um, abortion wrong because it kills innocent lives, while death penalty kills people who have been convicted for, for heinous 
for heinous crimes. And when you take, I feel like when you take someone else's life, you forfeit your own right to live, which is why I support the death penalty. Um, so as someone who is pro-life, I am actually strongly against the death penalty, but I don't think that you have to be against the death penalty to be pro-life, because if you look up the definition of pro-life, it is opposing abortion, legal euthanasia. That is what pro-life is defined as. However, I am personally against the death penalty because I feel like life is something that everyone has a right to, including people who have committed crimes, but that's just where I stand on that. About individuals that were... Um, and sentenced to death, I mean, that is entirely unfair to them. I think they're separate issues. I think we should consider them as separate issues. Um, the reason being that I am pro-choice and it's not that I'm pro-abortion. It's just, I believe everyone has a choice. But I also am entirely against the death penalty because of all of the unfair, um, unjust um, deaths. Cost of it. I think that they should be the same, abortion and the death penalty. And this is probably going against the rules, but abortion, the way I see it, is killing someone. It is killing a future adult, which is, and the death penalty is killing someone. I feel like abortion and the death penalty two totally different things like abortion you're killing a life that um either the mother can't handle or um you just it just shouldn't be there but that's a a unborn life you don't know how that person's going to turn out um and the death penalty is more of this person has said killed 20 30 people um with premeditate like premeditated the whole thing I don't believe like that's okay. Like that's not okay. I'm pro life and I'm like, oops, okay, that's good. I'm against the death penalty because of the people who have been falsely incarcerated, and they, even though they've done the crimes, it's not my job to take away their right to life. So I do think that they are different issues. Kind of what we talked about. Like one is an innocent life, key innocent. One is a criminalized life or someone who's done a horrible thing. Personally, I'm against the death penalty, um, and I think. The reason why is because I wanted to stay consistent in my view that life is, you know, life and we don't get to say whether that person should live. I also take into account the people that are falsely accused of of the death penalty. And I think that's important because look at the numbers today. We have around maybe 40 to 60 death penalty sentences each year. And so those numbers are really important because if you're looking at 15% of people who are wrongly accused, that's what, like 10, 15 people. So it does, it does take that, you know, takes into a huge account of where that view stands because you don't find out till like years later after a DNA test or something that. Absolutely. And that's how I feel like you could be pro-life and just pose abortion, or you could be like, for me, pro-life as a way of being where I'm against the death penalty. I'm against like ICE, I'm against police brutality, all that stuff. You can have pro-life as a way of being i believe life is one thing that every single human being has the right to no matter the situation so i feel like for me being pro-life means being pro-life for everything but i understand who are pro-life and that is only for abortion or euthanasia thank you all for just being respectful 
and for being tolerant of the other side and for really listening rather than spewing your own point. And so just thank you so, so much for that. That's all I can really say. Thank you. I just want to say thank you. It's, it's always good when you have respectful dialogue because like all around, I think we can kind of agree that we've kind of failed as a country to just talk and just understand both sides. <laughs> and it's so frustrating because like you lose friends over this kind of thing and it could be because of a misinterpretation. So I really respect that you guys are here today, even though as a majority pro-life, I get that. So thank you guys who are pro-choice for coming out and still debating. Um, and I hope that we all kind of gain some perspective and learn some new things. And this is single-handedly the most respectful debate that I've ever been a part of. I feel like the pro-choice people have been very respectful to me and my points of views and the pro-life people have been very respectful for their points of views. And I just, I really appreciate how respectful everyone has been. It was actually really nice because the debates that I'm used to, and granted they were online, but the debates I'm used to are so heated by the end. It's just refreshing to have a nice, calm discussion. The pro-choice people are pro-choice. I could definitely be friends with them. Y'all seem so sweet, and I love to be friends with you guys. Honestly, same. Look at that, guys. Who would have thought? Who really would have thought that out of this discussion on the most heated topic, debatably, debatably the most heated topic in modern U.S. history, yeah. that we would be this civilized and this friendly? So. And the problem with politicians today is many of them just yell at each other. Like, we don't even let each other talk. So it's just great to see everyone got along. We want our discussions to be a reflection of all viewpoints. If you, so if you are a teen and you feel that your opinions were not reflected by this podcast, please join us to be heard.